dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters where we talk about real-life situations, everything from promotions, leadership, relationships, finances, some tactical stuff, you name it, where we talk about it, even some things that may be a little controversial, but that's part of real life, so that's stuff that we're going to talk about. Guys, I just wanted to uh, continue. Thank you, everybody. The uh, The Facebook community has is, is really been growing. I've joined a couple more groups, uh, really impressed with some of of the amount of, of shares and likes and comments and all that that I'm getting from a lot of you, and, and I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. That, uh, that truly means the world amount that my voice is getting out there. The the idea of the Third Alarm Cowboys is getting out there with our mission of making firefighters better. I uh, just want to give a huge shout out to all of you that have uh, that have shared and, and helped us get the word out again. And everybody that's purchased t-shirts. And I just wanted to let everybody know really that as of right now, that's the, the best way to support us is by... Ordering and going on to uh, thirdalarmcowboys.com. You can order one of our, our either our podcast launch shirt or the RJ Nep Condemned Saint Third Alarm Fighter shirt. That is um, Captain RJ Nep. He and I worked together for a few years uh, in the Houston, Texas area. He's a captain for a fire department full time, but he's also a professional boxer. Just spoke with him yesterday and he's he's still training the uh the fight that we had scheduled for april ended up falling through but he's talked with his promoter that he has his fight coach and everything and and they've got him another fight lined up we're just waiting on the actual venue and everything to be booked to announce that so if you want to support him because he's just like us you know he's a firefighter living on a firefighter budget and we've kind of locked arms with him from the very beginning and helping him really promote his fight career and trying to help him out just with the financial aspects of that. I mean, the training, all of his nutrition, supplements, all that kind of stuff, it all is coming out of his pocket right now. So what we're doing is the Condemned Saint Third Alarm Fighter shirt. Everything, proceeds from that, I'm kicking back to him to help him pay for some of that stuff, basically till he starts getting, you know, fights that truly pay a lot. Whenever you start off in the in the professional boxing world you're not making floyd mayweather money like a lot of people think it's not 50 million for a fight i mean he might make a thousand dollars if he goes out there and kicks ass so it's just getting his name out there building his career getting his fight card even bigger uh, on the boxing side he was a belt holder and a world champion in, in mma whenever he was younger so he's uh you know a little older he's not able to do all the ground game that he did when he was in his 20s so he's transitioned into the pro boxing world and we're really just trying to do everything we can to support him and, and help him out and help him chase his dreams because that's uh, important to me and that's important uh, with the Third Alarm Cowboys as an organization and as a team. We really want firefighters to chase their dreams. Being a firefighter is a dream job for a lot of us, uh, but some of us, you know, we have other things that we like to do outside of the fire service, and sometimes there's some financial constraints that that hinder guys from being able to do that. So he happens to be one of them, and that's why we're trying to help him out. So. If y'all want to support him, then uh, you know go on there and, and order order his T-shirt. Go to uh, Spotify or Apple iTunes, anywhere that you listen to this podcast. And if you haven't heard the two podcasts we did with him, go back and listen. It's from the rig to the ring. That will uh, give you a little insight to who he is, the, the some of the struggles that he's been through in uh, in his personal life and and basically his career 
uh, building up to now and where, where we're going from here. So that's where we are with uh, with an update on RJ. I'm going to uh, to update some new information on, on the website as soon as we get it in. I do have a page for him on the website, and we're kind of building on all that right now. As I told a lot of you in the last couple shows, I've gone through a little career transition, and so I've had a lot of free time kind of open up, and we've been really really working on some extra stuff as far as with RJ, the fight career, working on some other avenues that the Third Alarm Cowboys are going to transition into and really expand our brand and expand what we're able to do as an organization, as a team. That's uh, that's really important to me. And, and with the amount of people that we're reaching, we just passed, I believe, check-in, I think we just passed over like 9,500 listeners as of this morning, which is amazing small town guy from deep east texas and we've been able to reach that many people uh, that's reflecting from all over the country and all over the world multiple countries uh, multiple states i mean I, I can't even list them all off really but i i go in there and look and see and it just there's areas of the country that i don't even know people from never met any people from but we have listeners of the show listening there guys i love getting your stories People reaching out, asking me for advice. People reaching out, asking me what I would do in certain situations. Had a guy this week reach out telling me about some of the the conflicts and struggles that he has going in with his department. It's a combination department. The career guys are basically kind of getting put on the back burner by the uh, by the administrative staff and, and the officers. And they're more or less paying, playing into duty crew part-time buddy system rather than taking care of their career guys and... You know, that's a tough spot to be in. A lot of these situations that you guys message me about, some of them I've dealt with uh, in my career. Some of them I have suggestions for on what I, you know, I would personally do. Uh, Disclaimer on that, you know, what I might do might not be the absolute best situation uh, because a lot of of the things that I'm going to tell you will end up being a little controversial. Uh, and it may cause you some conflict, but my ultimate guide and compass on all that is by doing what's right by the by the crews, by the by the people that are online making the calls, and by the community. I don't give a shit about the rank structure politics that's going on in countless fire departments all around. It's um, it's sad to me the the amount of you that have reached out and been like hey i'm going through this and hey i'm going through that because really and truly it's it's the same story at a lot of different departments it's just everybody has a different patch on their arm but everybody's going through the same struggles which you know my team and i when we when we launched this podcast that was something we we knew like deep down i knew a lot of people were struggling with these different things throughout the fire service and we all are going through but I wanted to I wanted to bring a voice showing that we're we can all unite and that with everybody going through these struggles like you're not alone and whether that's in your personal life with your relationships you know either going through a divorce or going through stuff with your kids going through some PTSD going through some financial hardships maybe some you know as far as career wise stuff having poor leadership and all that I really wanted to kind of create an environment for people to understand that we can all be on the same team and all move in the same direction and try to try to make a positive change but the more and more of you that contact me i realize it's a lot bigger of a problem than what i even thought to be perfectly honest most of the people that i know in the fire service either are in the east texas region or you know primarily the houston texas area that's where i work and that's thousands and thousands of people that's 
you know, Houston Fire Department alone has 4,000 firefighters. There's, I think, between 7 and 9 million people in the greater Houston, Texas area from Houston to Beaumont and, and that whole region. There's 7 to 9 million people. So you figure at least that might be a little high, but you're still talking about maybe 10, 10 15,000 people at least, bottom line, are firefighters and so I know that's a huge crowd of people that I can reach just in my little my little area of the country. And that was what I originally started off trying to do. And now that I'm seeing I'm getting messages from people in South Carolina and Ohio and Missouri and Arkansas and, and really everywhere. And I'm just like, holy shit, guys, this is a it's a lot bigger than what I thought. And and that's thanks to y'all. That's thanks to y'all for reaching out and connecting and becoming part of this team and trying to see what we can do as a whole to try to make things better. And that means the world to me, but it also it's it's truly enlightening. And with that, I'm just going to continue, you know, putting out the information that I have. Y'all continue to reach out if there's a question that you have. I'm going to tell you if I'm going to tell you straight up. If it's something like, hey, I would do this, but I don't have a truthful answer for you. Like the guy that messaged me this week, I'm like, man, you're in a tight spot. I mean, genuinely, you're in a tight spot. My personal opinion on the entire situation that he filled me in on, the only avenue that I see that he can create a change to protect the guys and and make a better environment for the career firefighters to be able to progress and move up is for him. He's a senior firefighter, and he loves riding in that position, But and he didn't really have a desire to promote. But the only thing I can see is with the mindset that he has and the changes he wants to make, he's going to have to promote. He's going to have to take that next step to get into officer role so that those firefighters have an ally at that rank. Because with the way that he told me the story, basically he, he's tried to go to his captain, but his captain is a dead end. He spoke with other captains. They're all dead ends. It's all a big buddy system. And with that and the Chiefs and everything like that, they're all trying to protect their little clique and they could give two shits about the people below them. That's a reality at a lot of places, and I understand that. And personally, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to promote is I knew that I could make a change. And if I wanted to make a difference in, in a difference and protect my crew and, and give my crew a voice and a reputation of being able to get shit done and what they wanted to do, my only avenue was to promote and put myself in, in the position to be a difference maker. Something that I'm probably going to start... I'm going to start labeling people as, I hate to use that, that terminology, but that's the best way that I can describe it, is when you're an officer or you're a senior firefighter or anything like that, you're a difference maker. Now, chiefs, I'm going to say that they are decision makers because when you're in a chief's role, you're able to write the policies, you're able to truly, you can make a difference good or bad. You have that ability to go in there, pen to paper, and be able to just completely change shit. As an officer, you're able to make a difference in the influence of those decisions, if that makes sense. So that's how I'm going to start trying to break it down mentally in, in my head. And you know, some of you, if y'all want to, y'all can do the same. And as this, the rest of this show, I'm going to explain and and everything why I, I feel that that's important and kind of how we can um, how we can move in a more healthy direction to be able to change a lot of the things uh, that's pertaining to that as far as the relationship between officers and chiefs and firefighters and all the way up and down that chain, in just my opinion. 
Of course, as I've said a million times before, this is my show, and it is my opinion. If you don't like the stuff that I have to say, that's fine. Go do what you want to do. Put out whatever information you want to put out. But sitting, you know, around trying to say, well, you know, I don't. He don't need to say that. He don't. Well, this is my show. This, you know, I'm on Spotify. You go create your own podcast. Create whatever kind of platform you want to, and go do your own thing. Try to put out your information that you think is valid and your side of whatever, and just see how many listeners and how many followers you get and how many supporters you get. That's that's the best way that I feel that people need to handle this. With that being said, I'm going to do a little housekeeping. A lot of the posts and stuff that I put out on Facebook, i got to be perfectly honest, when I put out the memes and everything, usually I'm in the middle of something else, and a thought or an idea or something will pop into my head, and I'll go on facebook or whatever and i'll create the meme i'll type it in boom and i'll rock on okay this shit is not a fucking phd dissertation that i'm putting out on facebook okay i feel like i have to say that uh for multiple reasons this week i had a dude contact me and not necessarily contact but basically try to blast me now the shit's comical truthfully but i'm gonna i'm gonna explain to all you that do listen to this show and maybe you're concerned about saying stuff, speaking up, doing the right thing, however you want to put it, and you're worried about what people have to say. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that it really doesn't make a fuck. It does not matter what people have to say, and it does not matter what rank that you're at. So, for example, had a dude comment on, you know, I have posted on Facebook where the the website, my ThirdAlarmCowboys.com is posted on Facebook where it goes out and basically it's it's an ad. It's an advertisement. I'm trying to create a business here. I'm trying to sell shirts to be able to fund all this that I'm doing. Podcast equipment is not cheap. The all Every single aspect of all the software that I have to have the website live and all that. Basically, to be perfectly honest, i got to sell shirts to stay in business. Flat out. Any small business, you got to sell a product to keep the doors open. So I have some advertisements going on on Facebook and some fucking douchebag who's a captain at some jackass department goes on there and basically says, well, y'all are the third alarm, uh, third alarm armchair quarterbacks. Okay, great. Good job, dude. You're a fucking hero. Um, I don't really give a fuck about that. I think that's comical because essentially, you know, what the definition of an armchair quarterback is is some asshole that's sitting in the chair watching a football game or whatever on TV trying to tell them how to coach it. Okay, they're not in the game. They're not playing the game. They're not even in that position. As you all know that listen to this show, every situation that I talk about is things that I'm either directly involved with or my crew members have been involved with. But either way, it's real-life situations that I have been present for which automatically puts me in the game. This is not me watching some shit on fucking YouTube and wanting to critique, which is what a lot of fucking dickheads out there are doing right now. You want to get on Facebook and you want to talk shit about things that you have no clue about. Obviously, the guy has never listened to the show, which is something that makes it funny to me because if he did, then that's fine. Uh, If you have a problem with what's said on the show, then you can actually contact me, message me, ask me, hey, what exactly is this situation that you're talking about? But I'm here to tell you, I don't ever get that because you all know that listening to this show, the situations I'm talking about are real life situations that either you've also gone through, but you know deep down that the shit that I'm saying I've been through because there's no point in me making it up. It's real life. So when you start thinking about what people are going to say on Facebook, don't worry about it. 
Who gives a shit? It's some some fucking asshole that works at some fucking one station department in bumfuck nowhere that makes two medical calls a week and he sucks the chief's ass all day long and so he's in the good old boy system but he wants to get on Facebook and talk big. And I'm here to tell y'all, the majority of the people that you see in these firefighter groups, whether it's training groups, officer groups, whatever groups, the people that can't get on there and have a legitimate conversation or can't get on there and actually speak from the heart about shit, they just want to get on and just talk shit, that's the people that's never done a fucking thing with their career. That's the fact. If they want to get on and basically badmouth everything that you're trying to say, then they haven't done jack shit. But you see these people that get on and they have intelligent conversations. It may be some sort of argument, but they at least have an intelligent conversation and they have data and information to back it up or they have real-life experiences to back it up. That's the kind of people that you need to conversate with because, yeah, while they may disagree with you, it may be something different about their district. If it's a tactical thing, their district may be different, and that's the only place they've ever worked. So they think that your tactics may be wrong because they don't know any better. So that's an ignorance thing. But these people that just want to get on and talk shit, for the younger folks out there, the people that are that don't understand that this is how this shit works, the people that jump on and talk shit, they're not shit. That's just a fact of the matter. They don't mean a fucking thing. They haven't done a fucking thing. They want to get on and talk mess about me, whatever. I, I don't care. But I just want to explain to anybody else out there, don't be afraid of that mess. Just laugh it off. Because, hey, whatever. Whoever that jackass is, suck it. Okay? Really don't care. Uh, as far as the memes and stuff like that on Facebook, for the people that want to get on and be fucking grammar Nazis, y'all, this shit's funny. I know some of you comment and everything. I honestly think it's hilarious that if if I make a post, I, I'll own it that I misspelled a word, okay? Like I said, a lot of the times, I might be in the gym working out. I may be at work. I may be listening to an audio book. I may be doing something and I have a thought about something that I want to share with you. And I'll jump on there and I'll type it up real quick and I'll go ahead and post it before I forget. Because a million times I'll have ideas and I completely forget about them because I don't have a way to jot them down. Either, you know, I don't have my phone on me to write notes or I don't have stick, whatever. And I'll, these thoughts will will go away and it's stuff that I feel is important for y'all to listen to. So excuse the fuck out of me from having more than one O in fucking lose. Sorry. If you want to be a grammar Nazi, I'm willing to bet you probably suck ass at fighting fire. Because really and truly people that did actually give a shit about what's being said and true pertinent information, they're going to retain that information. I know some badass firemen out there that probably can't even spell their name. So that's just my little thought on that. And other than that, I really don't give a shit <laughs> what the fuck these people have to say. Uh, I think it's I think it's comical. But for those of you out there, when you get on and you start wanting to actually make a difference, if you want start if you want to start stepping up and maybe standing up, I preach a lot about and I talk a lot about standing up for other firefighters when you see wrong things happening, when you see people getting screwed over, or you see people being treated poorly or whatever. People are scared to stand up because they're worried about getting flack from assholes like that. 
And that's what I want people to start understanding. You're always going to have dickheads. You're always going to have people that are going to talk shit no matter what you do. RJ and I talked about that on on the show I did with him. We talked about no matter what you do, 50% of people out there are going to talk shit on it. If you say that you want to paint the fucking wall blue, because blue is a pretty color, half the people are going to say that it has to be fucking red. It doesn't matter what it is. People are going to talk shit. So just don't worry about it. Brush that shit off. Say what you have to say. Stand up for those people that can't stand up for themselves and do the right fucking thing no matter who's watching or what some asshole is going to say about it. Because that's what we need right now. With the messages I'm getting from you guys, the outpour of people that want change to happen in the fire service, what it's going to take is a lot more than me and Kurt Isaacson and Mo Davis and Howard Reinwald and Kyle Romagus. That's just the guys that I personally have known to get out there and speak this shit. Clyde Gordon. It's going to take more than just us. And I'm I'm not anywhere in their realm. I, I hope to one day be, but I'm nowhere in their realm of the difference that they're making as far as in the fire service but those are the guys that I know that are personally out there trying to make a difference. It's going to take more than us and, and what platforms we have to make that change happen and to get it. It's going to take every single firefighter on every single fire truck to step up and say, this shit's not right. This is not right for the community. It's not right for the firefighters. However, whatever the situation is that you're going through, stand up for it and don't give a fuck about what some asshat has to say, whether they have bugles or not. Because we're at a point in the fire service with the manpower shortage that's going on. Those motherfuckers are about to be without... They could be chiefs without any firefighters. We'll see how long that shit lasts. But that's where we're headed. I think Texas as a whole, we have like a 40% shortage on firefighters and medics and everything. Nurses. All these essential personnel that in 2020, we were essential personnel. We had to have a letter to drive to fucking work and all this shit. Nobody's getting in this business anymore. The, the level of people that are taking their national registry and everything else is going down year after year after year. People don't want to get into this business. So if we want our communities to be protected and you want somebody watching your back on the fire truck, it's time to start stepping up and saying, stop treating people like shit. We're not numbers. We're not just some... It's really raining. We're not numbers, and we're not just some bullshit that you can cast aside. We're not a stray dog that just walked in. We busted ass to get our certifications. We busted ass to get here. And so this is our fire department. This is our career. You're at the end of yours. You you fucked off whatever you had to do, and now you're at the end, and you're desperate to try to either bump your numbers financially or you're trying to make a name for yourself at the very end. It doesn't matter. The three- to five-year guy is the guy that matters. Getting them trained up, getting them ready to save lives and save property, they're what matters. I'm sorry. The 25-year guy that doesn't give a shit anymore and doesn't want to get up out of the chair anymore and just says, fuck everything, fuck this place, and all that shit, they don't even matter. They're not relevant. They're, they're, they're a piece of dead fucking paint on the wall, as far as I'm concerned. So, And where I'm going to get into that. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump into to basically the content of this show. I'm going to title this show, Shitty Departments, okay? And I'm going to tell y'all why I think that shitty departments are shitty departments. 
at no point of any place that I've ever been around, and I'll be completely honest, I've worked at some shitty departments. At no point of any department that I was ever around did they have on the patch of their arm shit department. At no point did their mission statement say, we want to be the shittiest department in the state of Texas. But the choices that people made in that department are what made it shitty. We can we can sugarcoat it all day long. We can talk around in a circle about all this whatever all day long. But at the end of the day, when people are leaving, good people, good. I'm talking about badass firefighters that had the certifications they need. They had the training that they need. They had the experience that they need. Everything. When they're walking out the door day in and day out and you can't retain people, you, my friend, are a shitty department. I don't give a damn what you talk about your little board meetings with the ESD board or the city council and how great you are and all the shit you've done for the budget and this, that, and everything in between. That shit doesn't matter when you can't keep your number one asset is people. You can try to say, well, they're just a firefighter EMT basic. I can replace this firefighter EMT basic with another firefighter EMT basic and they just have different names and different birthdays, but they're the same certification. They're not. They're not the same. That may be a 12, 15, 18-year firefighter paramedic, and now you have a two-month, or I'm sorry, a firefighter EMT, and now you have a two-month firefighter EMT. They're not the same. Even a six-month to a two-month, they're not the same. Their level of experience is different. Their level of knowledge of the district is different. Their level of knowledge of the other crew members is different. And it all has value. So for you to have the mindset that firefighters are just a number is complete bullshit. And that is what makes you a shitty department. Now, going into a story. Good friend of mine, I've worked with him off and on now for shit probably over 10 years in EMS. He used to work for a local fire department here in East Texas. He's a great paramedic. He's uh, He and I were partners on the ambulance, for, full-time partners for about two years, uh, running 911. <laughs> Has some really fun times and some crazy times. Uh, made a lot of, of pretty, pretty badass calls with him. Um, he's top-notch, bottom-line top-notch individual. So he used to work at, at a fire department. And, of course, he's no longer there. But he was telling me the other day uh, that he ran into, when he was in town, he still lives in the town where he, where he served as a firefighter. I, I believe he was a firefighter there about 8 to 10 years, somewhere in that window. So he was a senior guy, uh, paramedic, whole nine yards. But he was in town, whatever, and he ran into his old captain, his old lieutenant. And they struck up a conversation just talking about you know, the current conditions of the fire department, what's going on. You know, they're under a insane staffing shortage right now. And basically, the guys immediately started jumping on the bandwagon of, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a shithole place. We can't keep people, blah, 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 blah. We have all these young guys that come in, and they, we can't get them to stay, all this, that, and the other. And they were, they were just essentially just talking down on the department. Now... Have I been guilty of doing the same? Yes. When you get to a point like I was at, at uh, one of the departments that I worked at, I was there for three years. In that three years' time, I personally had 14 rookies that I completed rookie books on and nine different drivers in three years. That's a lifetime of training new hires. 
Uh, and that's not even counting the, the new hire academies that I help run with myself and a couple other captains and the assistant chief of training. We were running three to four new hire academies with approximately 10 to 12 candidates running through those a year for three years. So that is an insane amount of teaching people to pull cross lays and, and catch hydrants and your typical, you know, your basic fundamental of, uh, of the fire service as far as your tactical stuff and your skills. But on my crew, I went through that many people. And it was not because of how the crew environment was. Majority of them to this day were still very close friends. We are still very much so uh, in touch. There was no sort of a bad morale within our crew. We were all very close, got along great. And the majority of them actually stayed for a lot longer than what they even wanted to because they loved the crew. But the conditions of the fire department, as far as for how we were treated by, uh, by the upper management, it was just impossible for them to stay. Uh, when you're treated like you're just a number and you're treated like shit, no one that no one can withstand that forever, including myself. So have I taken part in, in those kind of conversations where you're just like, man, fuck, I can't do this anymore. Fuck this place. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yes, I have. So I'm not a hypocrite because I have done that. But in my professional career, now looking back on a lot of things, I see that if you're in a position to make a difference or you're in a position to have influence to make a difference, it's your responsibility to do so. So continuing with that story, my friend was sitting there talking to him and this, that, and the other. Now, this fire department that I'm talking about, every single person that has to be there that works there ends up having to become a paramedic. So the city itself will hire EMTs and they send all these people through medic. I have no possible way of calculating the millions and millions of dollars over the last several decades that the city has wasted losing good people. I myself probably know... I would say anywhere from 30 to 50 people that have worked at that department and, and left. They got their paramedic paid for by the city and left. And that's just me personally knowing these people. Uh, and they've gone on to have great fire crews. They've gone on to do to do great things. A lot of them have promoted. And now they're holding rank and everything at other departments. But that city footed the bill for it. Those taxpayers in that city footed the bill for it. All because the morale and the reputation of that department is, fuck this place. Come here, get your panic, and leave. And essentially, that's what the captain and the lieutenant were saying to my friend. They were saying that that's, that's still the entire climate of the department. That's the environment. That's what is taught to these guys coming in when they get hired. And my friend, genuinely proud of him for this, uh, and it's bottom line, it's what needs to happen across the board everywhere. You know, they were going on and on and on about it, saying how they've lost all these people. And, and just last week, I think they end up losing like five people to another department. And they were talking about all that. Well, my friend looks at him and says, well, you know what? In all reality, y'all are the problem. And they're like, what? What do you mean? And he was like, man, this is the deal. Me, and he listed off some of the other guys that, that we know that have worked there. He's like, we grew up in this city. This is our hometown. Our parents live here. Our grandparents live here. We have our wife and kids live here. They go to school in this city. But we grew up here, and we grew up where this was our dream department. It's the only place we ever wanted to work. The fire trucks that y'all ride on came to our elementary schools, and that's where we wanted to work. We grew up seeing these trucks, and we said we wanted to be this city's fire department. We wanted to be here. We jumped through the hoops to get our paramedic and all this shit to work here. And day one, we walk in. And from the entire officers 
the entire command staff and all the officers, the first thing you hear is, hey, this place sucks. Keep testing. You can use this place as a stepping stone to get your paramedic paid for or to get your first year of experience and then get the fuck out of here. This place is shit. Y'all are the fucking officers. And that is exactly what my buddy told him. He said, man, you're you're a fucking 25-year captain. You're a 20-year-something lieutenant. And y'all... A new guy comes in, and y'all are the ones representing the department to this new guy and telling him to get the fuck out. And then you have the audacity to complain that you can't keep people. And this shit's been going on that I personally know of for about, I don't know, two and a half, three fucking decades. That's the shit. That is right there what labels you as a shit department. When your entire command staff and officer staff has the mentality of fuck this place... Where where else can you go besides just go ahead and put shitty department on your patch? But then you have the audacity to sit around and think, you stroke each other's egos and think that y'all are the greatest fucking thing. Well, I'm here to tell you, bottom line, if you have even over a 50% turnover rate and you have had that for multiple years in a row, you're shit. You're not doing it right. So this, however this mindset is of, well, we're the fucking greatest thing. This is how we've always done it. Blah, 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 blah. All the, all the things that we talk about all the time are the problems with the fire service. They truly are. And that's contributing to right there. So my thought on that is, is if you can't snap out of that and realize that if you're in that position to, and you can make a difference to step the fuck up, grab your nuts and start saying, hey, we're not going to act this way. Hey, we're not going to say this shit. And it pisses the chief off. It pisses the chief off. Who gives a shit? Okay? If you're that 20, 25-year guy, your numbers are there on your pension. What the fuck do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You, you can work another 5, 10 years, and your numbers really aren't going to change anymore. So all you're doing is fucking the next guy because you're a coward. All you're doing is screwing over that brand new firefighter that's supposed to be coming in. And if you live in that district, that's comical as shit to me. Because that means that you don't give a fuck about your own family. You don't care who's protecting them. You don't even want to try to take care and train up the next generation of people that's going to be taking care of your old ass. And who's going to be running the ambulance on your old ass in the next 15 years when you fall. Or you're sitting there because you got diabetes and your shit's fucked up and you have to dial 911. You don't even know who the next generation of people is that's going to be coming to take care of you and your wife when y'all get old. Because you're too chicken shit to step the fuck up and say something. Now. My friend, basically, I'm not going to say he, he, didn't, he didn't expand on all that, but he did say, y'all are the problem. And I think that's great. That's what it takes. It takes one person stepping up and saying, hey, you're the problem because you won't say shit. You won't step up. You won't just get out of your comfort zone. You don't have to be like I am. You don't have to, you don't have to cuss. You don't have to be loud and all that. But just say, hey, you know, I don't think this is right. I don't think we should be treating people this way. If you're an officer, that is your responsibility. You you got that badge not to stroke your own ego and look good with gold on your chest. You got that badge to make your crew better. You got that badge to protect your crew. And, it, and the more bugles you have on that badge, the more that responsibility grows. The more that you have 
to start looking after the people that are under you. Because truthfully, if you don't do it, who is? That's extremely important to me. I've seen it time and time again. I've jumped on grenades for people. I mean, you know, I I had I did an interview yesterday, and I, you know, I'm I am where I am in my career, where I'm having to interview for for fire jobs currently, and that's because of that. When I say this shit, it's I'm not talking out my ass, just saying a pipe dream. I live this shit as well, and it's cost me. It has cost me. But at the end of the day, the reality is what people need to understand is when you come home at night and you face your wife and kids or your husband, your kid, whatever, your dogs, I don't care. But when you come home with a clear conscience knowing you stood up and did the right thing, even if it cost you a job, look how many departments, like I said in the beginning of the show, there's a 40% shortage of firefighters and shit in just Texas. You can go and get another job. No, it may not be where you were at and you tried to spend your whole career and this, that, and the other. But those things are finite. If you love being a firefighter and you love taking care of the community, then it doesn't really matter. As long as you're riding a fire truck and you're taking care of the community, then it doesn't matter that you're doing it at this place or the next, whatever. You will find happiness and fulfillment in doing what you love no matter where it's at. That's what I had to learn. Yes, I had my dream department that I wanted to be at and this and other, and it didn't pan out. It didn't happen. So I did, and I ended up meeting people and having great relationships and working with firefighters that I loved and built camaraderie with and had a phenomenal time at several different places, took care of the community to the absolute best of my ability, learned all that I could. And, and on top of that, too, this is not in the same deal, but sometimes... Sometimes it's good to move on. Sometimes you, I'm going to tell you all right now, you don't ever want to be the smartest and the best person in the room. And if you're at a department where you're basically tapped out, where you can't progress anymore, which happened to me, I knew at the, one of the departments I was, it, I was at, captain rank was as high as I would ever go. Everything above captain, uh, the reality was it was one family. You had... The father and wife were the chiefs. Their kids were the district chiefs. And it was pretty well publicly known that unless you were in that family, you were not moving up. That's just, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it was right. I personally did not agree with it. I thought there was, I know for a fact there was a shitload of nepotism going on and everything like that. But the reality is, is I'm not a lawyer and I'm not in, in a position to be able to take care of that. Uh, so I moved on. Because when you reach a point in your career and you still have dreams that you want to fulfill, whether it's operational, uh, tactical things in, in different specialties, whatever, I've talked about that before. If all you're getting out of your department is riding the pumper and making med calls and fires and you want to go do swift water, or you want to go do hazmat, or you want to go do technical rescue, whatever, and your department doesn't offer that, then fucking go do it. Don't worry about the judgment. Go to the department that's going to let you have a fulfilling career that you have the ability to do those things. Because I'm here to tell y'all, of all the places I've traveled and all the trainings I've gone to and all the people I've met, those people that want to do those specialties and are good at them are in high demand. So don't think that you have to stay at a department. 
Now, if you want to be one of these guys that stays at the department for 30 years and you have a great career and you feel fulfilled and you feel like you accomplish what you want out of your fire career in your 20, 25 years, then by all means, uh, I commend you and I think that's great. But don't ever put yourself in a position where you are the smartest person in the room and you cannot progress anymore because there's no other avenues. They won't let you go grow any higher. They won't let you grow anymore. Get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out, okay? It's it's You're going to be stagnant. You're going to get miserable. You're going to start getting negative. And that is where another avenue of this is a shitty place, fuck this place, it's a shit department, that's where that comes from, from stagnation. And I know that for myself personally. I am one of those that I need to be challenged. I need to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I'm sorry, I get to a point where... When the department won't even allow you to go to any outside trainings, when the department won't even allow you to get any kind of technical or, or operational specialty type skills because your chief staff is in fear that you might be better than them, which happens a lot. We all know that. There's a lot of people out there. They don't want you to be better than them. They don't want you to know more than them. So they hinder you. Then you're at a bad place. You're at a bad place. You're going to get stagnant. And you're just—it's you're going to become miserable to work work with, and it's going to be miserable for you to come to work. It's happened to me. So, one thing else I want to touch on when it comes to these departments: turnover rate is a major problem in a lot of departments. We know that. I've talked about it a ton. I've given a ton of examples. I know a lot of you have lived it. Everything like that. Something I want people to really start thinking about, especially if you're in that chief spot or you're in that what I call the the difference maker, or the, I'm sorry, the decision maker spot, where you can start changing shit. I touched on it earlier when you start people treating people like numbers. When you have these new guys coming in, you're telling them immediately, "Hey, keep testing. Get the fuck out of here. Don't stay here. This place is miserable." When you are that guy, that this was your dream department. When you are. The person that grew up seeing these trucks and you said your whole life, man, I want to work there. I want to work there. This is where I want to work. I want to ride that truck at that station. That's home to me. If you're in one of those chief roles, you need to truly treasure that. We've gotten to a point with hiring processes that it's so cumbersome in all of the other little details that we miss out on a very valuable opportunity to be able to connect with the community, with that individual that grew up there. I know that personally, the area that I grew up, they went through a time period where the departments locally to me, they wanted to hire people from outside because they thought they were being able to bring experiences from outside, whatever. That's That was those specific people's opinion on what they wanted to do. But they were missing the most valuable tool. When you have an individual that grows up in a community and their family's there, and their grandparents are there, their cousins, all this shit. They have family members in the community that are business owners that pay the taxes that fund that fire department. You're missing a very, very, very valuable asset in, in being able to connect with the community because you're worried about numbers. You're worried about certifications. You're looking at details that while on paper as far as fire department may be a little bit beneficial, but as far as long-term health of the department and the connection of being able to 
get those things that you need later on that you need the citizens to be involved to get you. Prime example. If you have a vote that comes up, whether it's on, you know, like Houston Fire Department going through with the Prop B stuff. A lot of people don't know what that is, but basically the Houston Fire Department has been getting raked over the coals on their payroll for like two decades now. They have been able to get raises. Basically the police department through their abilities in political powers, the police department's salary has been able to increase tenfold to what the firefighter salaries have been stuck at since essentially the early 2000s. Now, a few years ago, I believe it was 2017, Houston Fire Department came up with a petition. They called it Prop B. They went out to the voters, and they had the voters put it uh, a petition in that made it an elect election in order to make the fire department and the police department have what they call pay parity, which means if the cops are getting paid this, whatever the exact same rank is in the fire department structure, it's going to get paid the same, no matter what. Well, it passed. The voters passed it. They elected it. Now, they're having a shitload of turmoil because the city administration and the mayor and all that craziness stuff there has taken it, saying that it was an unconstitutional election. They've gone all the way up to the Supreme Court of Texas to find out whether the election was is going to be ruled as constitutional or not, and that's still out for debate. Now, with that being said, when it comes to things like that with pay or new stations, or anything like bonds, and all the stuff that has to be elected, even um, collective bargaining for your union, any of those things that has to be elected by the community, you got to have people that work at your fire department that have that connection with the community to get out and have a trusted voice to be able to make the community want to come out. Now, Community members and citizens, they, they always love firefighters. They say all day long, we support the fire department, we support the fire department. But when it comes time for the nitty-gritty and the dollar bill to actually do, that's when you find out whether people actually support the, the fire department or not. Nine times out of ten, when it comes to that, you may have to really do some convincing. You may have to do some education. And having that guy that has a connection to the community, having that guy that has family that owns businesses there, that has parents and grandparents that have businesses there, and all that kind of stuff, that is a valuable, valuable asset to your department. But for these departments, like the one my friend and I were talking about, that shit on the local guys and force the local guys out because they you know they run them through the ringer as a rookie they treat them like shit and they tell them all day long don't don't stay here don't stay here don't say so they leave well now you have a community member that still lives there who's advocating against you as an administration because when people say well man you grew up here why don't you want to work here why are you driving like me personally why are you driving two and a half three hours to work well you know, this, this, and this happened at home. Can't work here. What, whatever it is. So, it makes it really shed a bad light on you as a fire administration or as a city administration that your local people are not staying. And people don't think about that. People get so caught up in, well, we want the guy that has the bachelor's degree in emergency management, and he has his paramedic, and he has this, and he has that, and a whole stack load of certifications. We want him. Well, I'm here to tell you, if that dude is not already working at a department and he has all those certifications and he wants to come here, you may want to do a little bit more investigation on it because he's probably using you as a stepping stone to be able to pad his resume and then he's going to get the hell out. 
because especially if he's coming out for a firefighter spot, if they're coming to work and they got all the certifications, they don't want to be there. They don't want to come work at your department. They were already something else at another place, and they're they either got in trouble there and got run off, or something happened, and then now they're wanting to come here and use you as a stepping stone. Especially if they live out of town. If they're not from here, they don't they they don't have ties to a, a community like that. There's there's something I'm just saying. There's something that needs to be looked into when it comes to that. Pour into your local people. Pour into your people that grow up in the community that have ties to the community. That is seriously important. And the fact of the matter is, when we talk about turnover rate, and we talk about people leaving and losing these valuable employees and and valuable firefighters, we can't afford it. No department. I don't care who you are. You can pretend and lie all day long on the paperwork when you're presenting to your board's you're presenting to your city council and all that shit. You can make it look good all day long, but at the end of the day, it's not good. It's not a good thing. It's a failure on your part. You're not doing something right to retain those people. Every other aspect of business in the United States, whether you know American uh, corporate America and all that stuff, if they get more than like a 25% turnover rate, they're hiring consultants and paying out the ass to have consultants come tell them, why are we losing all these people? We've paid thousands to get them trained up, get them ready to roll. They stay for a little while and they leave. What are we doing wrong? And these consultants will come in and they'll tell them. And you know, some of these companies may fix things. It might be a benefits deal. It might whatever they fix them. In the fire service, we're like, nah, fuck them, fuck them. We'll just hire somebody else. Uh, they didn't want to be here anyway. They were a shit bag. They were a troublemaker. They were a problem child. Whatever. Blah blah blah. However, however the fucking label you want to put on it. But the bottom line is, is you just lost somebody, even if they have two days on that fire truck, you lost someone that has two days experience on knowing where the, the equipment is on that apparatus, knowing the district, knowing the crew, whatever it is, especially if it's someone with either an EO position or a officer position, any kind of capacity like that, because some of these departments, they'll, they'll allow you to come in at, at a level of rank, especially ESD departments you just lost out on that person that has very valuable information to protect your community. Why? Because you didn't want to address any issues. Now, going into how I see a way to to solve some of these problems. I talked a little bit earlier about stepping up and standing up and saying something and not really caring, you know, what people have to say because no matter what, you're always going to have people, you know, 50% of people are going to disagree with you. No matter what you say, that's just a reality of all aspects of life. But something that I want people to think about and we can incorporate into the fire service, especially as officers, chief staff, all that. How many of us grew up like I did? Where, you know, I, I raised a good bit of hell whenever I was in high school. I was wild child, if you will. But one thing that my parents told me from the time I can really remember, even until now, is as long as I told them the truth, whether it hurt their feelings or not, I wouldn't be in trouble. So, For example... You know, if I went out Friday night after a football game and I got fucking hammered drunk at somebody's house party or pasture party or whatever, if I called my dad and I said, hey, you know, dad, I'm out here and I got drunk, I don't need to drive home. 
No questions asked. Dad, come pick me up. Take me home. It was never discussed again. Now, did they frown upon that? Yeah, they didn't like that shit. No parent does. But I wasn't on the road. I wasn't endangering anybody by driving intoxicated home. I made a conscious and mature decision to call my parents and say, hey, I fucked up. Was it a good decision? Probably not. But I'm not going to make an even worse decision by not saying something. How many people grew up with that kind of environment? I know that there's a lot that didn't. I know there's a lot of people out there didn't have a good set of parents. They didn't have that. But now that you are a parent or you want to become a parent, you want to be a good one? Well, that's something that I preach to my kids to this day. My daughter, the other day, she came up and said something, and, and we were talking back and forth, and she told me, I and mean, she's younger, so she's in the process of learning that this is the rule. But she told me, uh, you know, I didn't want to take this. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Well, and I looked at her. I said, when have you ever get in trouble for telling me the truth? The only time you've gotten in trouble, truly in trouble, was when you lied to me. And she said, yeah, Daddy, you're right. That's what we need. That's what we want. I talk a lot about the fire service and how when I came in, you had those 20-year firefighters, 15-year firefighters, and they were truly, they were a mentor, they were a coach, whatever level you want to put on, but they had uh, a, a sense of of parenting type uh, personality, if you will. And then the officers, especially the captains that I worked for, those older guys held most of them. You know, they were they were my parents' age. A, a couple of guys that I worked for, they were friends with my parents. They knew them. So I had that sense of well, you're you are essentially a parent to me, and so I had that kind of relationship with them. And it was it was very open. Now, was there a line of discipline? Yes, there was a line of discipline. You didn't do certain things. You know, all the rules of the fire service still applied. But you had an open line of communication. But now that we have uh, the the environment that we do now, where it's it's truly like a just sit down, shut the fuck up, don't say nothing, eat all the shit that I feed you, and you'll be okay until I decide to put a target on your back because I'm sick of you. That's that's kind of the environment at a lot of places. Now, where I want to tie all that in together is that's fucked because you wouldn't do that to your own kids. And no matter how you look at it, when you get into an officer role, you are the parent of that crew in every aspect, including legally. And what a lot of people need to understand because there's a shitload of guys out there right now that are pushing the envelope, wanting to promote because they want the clout and they want the money. Pump your fucking brakes. One thing that people need to, to seriously take a hard, hard look in the mirror and swallow this pill. Swallow it. Listen to me and swallow this pill whether you like it or not. I don't give a fuck how broke you are and how much you need that $10,000 raise. If you are a captain or an officer of any capacity and you make a bad decision, you are liable. You get someone killed, you are fucking liable. If you don't believe me, go ahead, go Google up, start looking at all the case laws nationwide on captains and EOs and everybody else that's been getting sued because they make a decision, an EO runs a red light, T-bones somebody, kill that person, that person's family is suing the fucking EO and the captain. 
Go look at it. It's all over the place. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of court cases where that is the case. If you're that captain and you tell your crew to go left in this house and you get your crew killed because you made a poor tactical decision due to lack of experience or training, you are liable. Not only in a legal aspect, but you are liable for the rest of your life every time you lay your pillow, your head down on the pillow at night knowing that you were rushing to promote and you got your crew killed. That shit's going to haunt you. It's absolutely going to haunt you. If you have any kind of conscience at all, that is going to bother you. So stop trying to promote too quickly. We have so many people. I've heard several stories recently of people three years in, they're, they're thinking they're deserving of a captain spot. You would have to make a fire every fucking shift for three years to be deserving of a captain spot. And it's not happening. Nobody's burning that damn much all the time. So pump your brakes. Take a deep breath. It will come. Your time will come. I promoted early. I did. I busted ass to get there. I was a a young captain. And I learned a lot of hard lessons. I luckily didn't get anybody hurt, didn't get anybody killed. But did I make bad decisions I had learned from? Yes, absolutely. That's not something that people need to rush. It's a responsibility because when you move into that captain role, you are the parent. I can't tell you how many times people come to me as a captain on the crew and they're asking me for life advice. Well, if I'm fucking 22 years old and I still live with my parents and I haven't done jack shit, this is my first job, but I kiss my ass, uh, kiss ass all the way up to the fucking captain spot at 22 years old, what life advice are you going to give to a firefighter that's going through a divorce? What life advice are you going to go through a firefighter that has questions about his career? What life advice are you going to give to a firefighter that wants to, to promote, that wants to try to do better or, or anything? Any aspect of life in this career at 22 years old, what life advice do you have to offer? What the fuck you learned on Facebook and Instagram? That's it. That's all you have to offer. As an officer, you, it's your crew, it's your job to take care of them on and off the job. It's your job to look out for them. Some people that you may have working with you may have some sort of addiction issues that they need to come to you about. If you don't have the maturity and the honesty and the trust to be able to have that kind of conversation and know even what to do to try to get them help because they're confiding in you, then what good are you to that person? You're not any good. What if you have a crew member that's coming to you that's, you know, you're 22 years old, but you got a 15, 16, 18-year firefighter that you're the captain, so he's coming to report to you that he's having some mental health problems. You can't even spell mental health at 22 years old. That's the role that you take on when you become an officer. You're a parent. You are the crew's parent. It is your job to be mama hen and daddy warrior all the time. Whether you're having to kill for them to protect them or whether you're having to nurture them because of the things that they're going through. That's your responsibility. And the more you go up the chain, the greater that responsibility is because it's not just your three or five man, seven man crew, whatever that's in your station. You look at now, if you're the battalion chief or district chief, you're looking after all the crews. Those are all your kids. 
If you're the head chief, you're looking after the whole department. You, if you're Houston Fire Department's chief, you got 4,000 kids. And when you can't take on that responsibility and you can't accept that responsibility or even understand that that is a responsibility, then you're creating an environment where people are just a number. People come and go. They don't mean shit. You're not taking care of them. They don't mean shit. And guess what? You're going to become what so many people label shit departments. You're going to become a shitty department. Now, for the good examples of people that are out there. One example I'm going to use for for a phenomenal uh, chief that um, I, I truly, I'm going to give a, a little transparency on this. We're roughly the same age. But he's been a chief for several several years now. I, truthfully, I don't know how long. But I remember when he actually got promoted to the fire chief position, he started getting a pretty strong presence within within the Houston area. Started putting out a lot of information on on social media about the thing, the the operational changes they were making within their department and this that and the other. And they cover a very very large area. Uh, they have a huge district, and. Um, and I will name him because he's he has a very strong presence. A lot of you have already seen me or heard me talk about him, or you're already following him on Facebook. But Chief Howard Reinwalt, um, you know, we're roughly the same age. Both have kids, roughly the same age. I mean, whole nine yards. He's been in that area longer than I has. He, he definitely has way more experience. But when he first started really getting out on Facebook and and essentially trying to you know change a lot of things, I was a little skeptical. I was like, man, this dude like. We're the same age. I know my level of experience. I mean, I, I judge. Just like everybody else, I judge. And so I went out of out of uh, curiosity, really, and I wanted to, some validation to see what exactly, what did this guy, what did he have to offer? So I went to a few of his trainings and was truly blown away. Uh, just how great he had his shit together, how honest he was, how he was completely transparent on some of his own struggles, some of the stuff that he's been through in his career, where he's headed with his department, the things that they're changing, this, that, and the other. But one thing that he wholeheartedly uh, believed in was the protection of the community, which at the time I, w- I was working at a department that, to be quite frank, the fire chief did, didn't, he couldn't spell community. He was in it for himself. He didn't give a shit at all. We had just gone through Hurricane Harvey. If some of you want to go back and listen, go listen to the Hurricane Harvey episode where I talk a little bit about some of the things and the the issues we encountered and the struggles that we went through and the phenomenal people that I worked with that really stepped up. But I was experienced in working for a chief that was really out for himself and didn't care a whole lot about the community and didn't even live in the community. He was driving like an hour, hour and a half to work. Had no ties to the community whatsoever. So I'm sitting here listening to Chief Reinwald, and he's talking about how, you know, his wife and kids, they live right down the road from the station. Uh, his fa- his mama and just his grandma, every, everybody in his family lives in that district. And so when he's teaching his firefighters and he's talking about his expectations of his firefighters, He's expecting them to be top notch because there's, you know, a good possibility that it's they're going to be running on his family. And I was like, "Holy shit, man, this this guy has serious ties and truly is concerned for one, 
but has a level of buy-in that most Chiefs don't. A lot of Chiefs they may they may live in the district, but it may just you know they may be older. They don't have kids that live there. Their kids are grown. What I mean, they don't have this. This Chief has, I mean, little kids. Uh, they're they're young and they are right there. So I mean, you're talking about everything from fears of kids falling into swimming pools. I mean, his crews are going to be running on whether his kids have a go kart wreck or fall in the swimming pool, all that shit. So he expects his men and women to be absolutely top-notch because his family's lives are on the line. And I got to thinking about that after the class was over. And, of course, I reached out to him, and I told him, I'm like, hey, man, you know, I was truly blown away. Uh, You're solid. Your validation is solid. Yes, I was there being a little skeptical and wanted to kind of check you out and and see if the things that you were saying on social media was credible. I mean, 100%. And, uh, I mean, we talked about it, and, and I use him. For our uh, third alarm cowboy shirts, I mean, he is a all around solid chief, solid business owner, doing everything that he can. Solid, you know, family man, everything. He's he's one genuinely one of us, but he is in the fire chief role. And another aspect of what he's doing to truly make a difference, uh, one of the guys that I used to actually work with, that um was a rookie for me. Now he's, I mean, he's a senior because this has been five or six years ago, but he actually now works for Chief Ryan Walt. And he posted a story on his Facebook the other day where he had gotten a custom leather helmet made. And I was like, damn, y'all are allowed to wear that? He's like, oh yeah, Chief Ryan Walt's like, hey, you know, as long as the shit is within NFPA, all the specs are good, blah, 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 all that shit's good. Like he's all about us being badass firefighters. And I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, He's truly addressing his crew members as people. He's remembering that his crew members are people first, firefighters second, and that's phenomenal to me. It's truly phenomenal to me. I think that <laughs> I, it's almost like that's a that's a lost um, it's a lost concept on a lot of places, and it really it's. It's great to know that there's a chief out there doing doing that. And, I mean, he has very high standards for the crew members. Very high standards, like I said, because his family's life is on the line. But he allows them to be firemen. He allows them to have individuality. And a lot of the people that I know that work there have actually moved to that community. So not only do they believe in what the fire department has to offer, now they're putting their family's lives on the line for that fire department. And that just goes to show that what happens when you pour into your people, you get people that move. Now they're paying taxes that ultimately go back to the fire department. So it's keeping it within uh, within that district. And it's just creating an entire, essentially, I guess you call it an ecosystem of people that want to live there, want their families protected by their coworkers that they work with because they trust them enough for that. They get to go to work and have fun and enjoy being firefighters. And it's like, holy shit, guys. That's the that's the solution to the problem. That is the solution to the problem. That's really all it takes. Stop treating people like they're a number. Stop having this concept that, well, every firefighter EMT or firefighter paramedic, whatever your rank is, is just another number. And start truly pouring in to your people, especially your local people, 
keeping it in mind that that shit matters. You know, now whenever Chief Reinwalt has a vote that comes up for the ESD board, if he needs public opinion, well, now he's got a bunch of guys that live in the district. They call up their wives. They call their families up. Now they all show up, and they're all supporting the fire department to get whatever they need done done. They need stations built. Well, dude, you got a whole damn room stacked full of people saying, yeah, we want to build the stations. Fire department needs this. And it's just... It's simple things, but for some reason, it's a complete lost concept on a lot of these people that just want to truly beat their heads against the wall because it's how we've always done it. And the bottom line is, if you've been doing the same shit for the last 10 or 15 years, you still can't staff your fucking trucks, you still can't staff your stations, and you got all these damn problems, then what you're doing is not working. No matter how much money that you throw at it, no matter what kind of benefits package that you're throwing at it, if you still can't get people and keep people, then you are not working. Your thoughts, your concepts are not working. So it's time to have a little bit of a grown-up conversation. If you are that chief officer or captains or whatever, step up, get a voice. What you're doing is not working. And the fire service as a whole, we're all losing. It's all going downhill when we're that short of staff, when we're 40% down for where we need to be, and the communities are growing. Houses are still being built left and right, even with the high interest rates and everything going on right now. I'm seeing it. Communities around me, developments coming in, two, 3,000, 5,000 homes being built left and right. Boom, boom, boom. They're putting them up just as fast as they can chop down the trees. So we have to get the fire department on board with that growth because those houses are going to burn. There's still going to be the med calls. There's all the different aspects that we have to cover as firefighters. That shit's only growing. Well, when your manpower's dropping off and your call volume's going up, what the fuck do y'all think's going to happen? So go have a mature conversation. Look yourself in the mirror. Take off the damn bugles off your chest because that that those bugles on your chest is not going to protect you from getting somebody killed. Those bugles on your chest are not going to protect you from the wrath of the community. You can't hide behind that shit when the community wants to show up and wants to know why this incident occurred because there was no one in the station. Because that's where we're headed. There's no ones in there's not going to be anyone in the stations. So that's my thought on it. Just kind of sum all that up a little bit. Just remember when you are an officer or you promote into any kind of capacity like that, it's your job to look after the crew. It's your job to build people up. It's your job to get those firefighters that come in and don't tell them day one, get the fuck out of here, this place sucks. This place is shit. It's shit because of you. If you're saying that, then it's shit because of you. Start building people up. Learn what they want out of their career. See if the department has to offer what they want out of their career. That's something we could start doing. I really genuinely think the fire service as a whole needs to revamp hiring processes. I think that hiring processes that were put into place 20, 25 years ago are not relevant now. They're just, they're truly not. Um, I get it when we need to do some, you know, some sort of evaluations and stuff to get people on board. But if they obtain their certifications, then a lot of the the written examinations and shit like that it it's not a true validation of who that person is 
interviews. You can go in and bullshit all day long somebody in their interview. You're not going to find out what their true caliber of person is in a damn 30-minute interview. I just feel that, uh, and I probably will address that more on, on another episode, but I feel like as, as hiring processes and thought process on who we need to be hiring as firefighters and what we need to be doing to get people in the door needs a serious renovation. We need to rip all the walls down in this shit and start all over because the caliber of people that we're getting into these officer-type positions, these decision-maker-type positions... It's not working out. We're we're not healthy. Overall, we're not healthy. When we're short-staffed, when people are, are having the chaos in their life, like I talked about on, on previous episode, when we got people that are that are truly taking their own lives or their careers are getting ended, we're, we're not tending to business. We're not taking care of our people, and we have to do better. We absolutely have to do better. And the fire service that I was brought into of the older guys, their mindsets is not what we're dealing with right now. There, We have a huge gap right now. The people that I came in that I worked for, they genuinely cared. They wanted a strong-ass crew. The crews hung out together on days off. The crews knew each other's family. It was tight. And like the last 10 years or so, all that is dissipating because of the mentality of this Everybody's just a number. Nobody's a person. There's no individuality. Fuck you. Shut up. Get in the corner. Run your calls. And I'll get to you when I'm ready to put a target on your back and get rid of you. That's kind of where we're at in a lot of departments. And what I'm getting from a lot of you through your messages, that's what y'all are dealing with. So as a whole, truly as a whole, I go back to what I said. Start speaking up. If it costs you a little bit of disciplinary action, then it costs you a little disciplinary action. But at a lot of these places, hell, they can't get rid of y'all because they can't staff what they got. Their fucking payroll budget is doubled right now because of the overtime. They can't get rid of y'all because you stand up and say, hey, leave this dude alone. Leave this dude alone. You got a target on his back. He performs at his job. He's great at his job. You just don't personally like him. You have a, a personal vendetta against that person, but it has nothing to do with his job performance because at the end of the day, job performance is what matters, not what the fuck you think about somebody. You can have differences with people all day long. Find another crew to put them on. Figure out. Get to know them. See what what their personality. There might be another crew that they fit in with perfectly. That's something that Cat, or, uh, Chief Sean Black talked about on the show. As a battalion chief, what he does with his crews when he gets to know the people is he places firefighters with like-minded crews. So, like, you know, if it's a, it, just say, for instance, as an example, this Third Alarm Cowboys. So it, there are a lot of people that I know in the fire service that, that truly cowboy. They ride horses. They work cows. They do all this shit just like I do. So, like, if Sean has a guy that's coming in, that's what he does on his days off. He's going to put them with a crew member, a crew of guys that do that. And then if you have people that are super into music, you put them with, I mean, you, you got to get to know your people and put them into environments where they'll get along. Stop creating these environments of fucking turmoil because you're a douchebag that believes in divide and conquer. And as long as the crews are fighting each other, there'll be no uniting. As firefighters, we got to quit being petty. And just because some dude, you know, this is a white boy from the country and this is a black dude from the hood, 
we y'all can't get along. What the hell? You're all in it for the same thing. You're getting the same damn paycheck. You are working the same hours, running the same calls, trying to do the same things out of life. You're trying to provide for your family, have a good time doing it, make memories, and live the best life you can. That's what we're all trying to do. It doesn't matter of what different hobbies you're into and all that different shit. Start getting along. Stop letting these people that don't that want to pitch you against each other stop doing that as well. But I'm going to touch more on that on a, on another episode. But that's what we have to do. Start stepping up. Start stepping up. I'm going to leave y'all with one more story. I worked at a department with a guy, very, very, very well known, very respected at a neighboring department. He was a battalion chief at a neighboring department, but he part-timed at that point in time. My department that I worked for was so short-staffed that we actually had to start recruiting part-time firefighters. Um, The chief had to go in and rewrite the fucking policies that had said Because when I went there, we did a complete restructure and got rid of all part-timers and went completely full-time. Well, he was in search, like y'all heard me talk about the damn ISO shit. He was in search of an ISO rating of one, so staffing mattered. So he had to go in and rewrite policies in order to allow part-timers. Well, they recruited this this, uh, chief to come over, and he came over as an EO. Phenomenal individual. Phenomenal individual. I had a lot of respect for him. I still do. Um... And he's he's done so much in his career. I can't I can't even sum it all up. But the admiration that all of us had working here to to have this guy this caliber come over and and work and just when he wanted to drive the truck and and pump that's what he wanted to do. And we did some cool trainings. I got to teach him some stuff because he had never drafted. He had never worked in a rural area where he had to do drafting operations. So I got to show him a little bit of drafting stuff, and he showed me some command stuff. Because uh, I was riding up as battalion chief at that time, and he had been a battalion chief for a long time, so he's teaching me command stuff. I mean, we got to share a lot of information. I had a lot of great conversations with this man, and upon me leaving that department, I had a serious conversation with him about the toxicity of that department. Now, he was a realist. He knew what was going on. He did not agree with any of the shit that was going on. He did not agree with the treatment of the firefighters and how just absolute, just overall, it, it was a shit. It was, it was what you would label as a shit department. Sorry, that it was. And we talked about it and talked about it. And I finally looked at him and I said, well, Chief, because we all still addressed him in Chief because he absolutely earned that. Even though he was there as an EO, a part-time EO, he earned, earned being called Chief. I looked at him and I said, Chief, you're respected at a level that no one else in this department is. Why the fuck don't you just go in the chief's office and tell him? Stand up. Do something. Be straight up. And he wouldn't do it. He said he knew it was wrong, but that this was his part time. He was there to, to finish paying off his daughter's college. And then he was getting ready to retire from his department. And so he was trying not to make any waves. He just wanted to get there, get his money, and go home. Well, I end up leaving. And I don't I don't truthfully know. I don't know how long it was. But I, I'll say it wasn't very long. He retired. And then he ended up passing away. I would It was less than a year. I'd say six months to a year from him retiring. He died. And 
that's truly tragic because the fire service as a whole, that was a wealth of knowledge that most of us probably will never experience all the different things that he was able to experience. And he had a very lengthy career. I don't, I don't, I don't want to quote a wrong number, but I want to say at least probably 40 years all in all uh, at very busy places dealing with very large incidents from commercial to hurricanes to you name it. Uh, wealth of knowledge, absolute wealth of knowledge. And so it was very tragic to me that we, we essentially lost that that tool. But at the same time, I couldn't help but think, I'm like, man, I wonder if he knew that he was going to be dead in six months if that would have changed him stepping up and saying something. All he was trying to do was just get his check go home in peace, which I completely understand. I truly do. I understand that. People don't, people don't want to deal with conflict. People don't want to have that confrontation and those uncomfortable situations and everything like that. But he admitted to me in that, that last conversation I had with him that he knew that the decisions being made by the fire chief were causing people to have their careers ruined and were causing serious life problems for people. We had people that were working there that came there perfectly healthy with no kind of problems, were worked there a couple of years, and they ended up having to be put on antidepressants. They had to be put on anti-anxiety medication and all this stuff from working at that place. And I know this because now, you know, a lot of these people are my friends and I still keep in contact with them. And now they don't have to take those medications. They're not in that toxic environment. So he knew that that lives were getting altered because of the toxicity of that department, but he didn't want to say anything. And while I respected it at the time, now looking back, like I said, I've thought about it a lot. I'm like, I wonder if he'd have known that, he was going to be dead in six six months, whatever. Would he have done things differently? Would he have stood up and said, hey, quit fucking with these people's lives. You're fucking up people's lives and their careers and their livelihoods and their children's lives and everything else because you want to treat people like a number instead of treating people like people, like a human being that matters. I just wonder... And so that's something I want to leave you all with. If you knew today that that in six months you were going to be dead or less, would you then stand up and tell somebody, stop treating people this way, stop allowing this shit to happen? Or would you just sit back still? Because if you would, if you would still sit back, if you would still kiss the chief's ass, if you would still not give a shit about your people, if you would still only care about what your fucking numbers said, then you're the problem. You're the reason why we have shit departments. You are the shitty department. And that's something that everybody needs to think about. We could all be dead tomorrow. That's the real reality. This, this job, this business... It's the reality of the job. So stand up today. It's just a little bit of being uncomfortable, but stand up today. And if you have to get politically involved or go to your board or whatever, I don't know the different levels uh, of turmoil that's going on within your department or within your whatever, but stand up for the little things and they'll take care of the big things. But don't let your fears of what could happen or what somebody may say, stop letting that deter you from taking care of your partner. 
from taking care of that community member, from making sure that you are upholding the oath that you gave and the badge that you wear on your chest. So with that being said, guys, thank you all. I know that's a little... Uh, a lot of information to, to kind of process and, and things that you're going to have to really think about. But, um, you know, this Third Alarm Cowboys team is not for everybody. I accept that. I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that this information is not for everybody, and I'm okay with that. But like I say in the intro, this is real life. This is real situations. This is shit that people are actually dealing with, and that's what we're going to talk about. That's what I want all of you that say that you support us and you want to be, you know, you're part of this team. And let me be your voice. You can share this show, put the show out. I'll be your voice. I'll say it. I mean, it's it is what it is on this shit. But um. Stand up and do what's right. If you want to be part of this team and you want to support us and you want to do it, then then get this out there and, and start trying to make that change. We can talk all we want about tactics and all that kind of stuff, and, and we can make a skills-wise, we can make everything absolutely badass. But if you don't have the, the asses in the seats to teach them all those tactics because we've run all the people off that actually gave a damn, and now all we're doing is just hiring numbers, then it really doesn't matter anyway because the numbers are going to keep coming and going. And no matter how much you teach them, they're not going to stay and the community is not going to get protected with what you're teaching and everything like that. So, guys, it's just, to me, it's very important. But anyway, um, y'all uh, go on Spotify. Go and follow us on Spotify. I've, I've seen the uh, the followers have, have really gone up on there, and I appreciate that. That makes makes this show grow. It makes it uh, you know that the show get boosted more when it comes to those uh, podcast platforms like Apple and everything. The more followers that we have, the more reviews that y'all leave. Go on and leave a review on Apple. Leave a review on Spotify. That really helps me out. That helps get get the show out there and and spread this information and and uh, help build this mission that we're trying to accomplish and making the fire service better by doing that. But uh, you know, go follow on those apps. That way, every time that I post a new show. You're notified, especially if it's early in the morning. You're headed into work. You can go ahead and listen to the show and get you get you in the right mindset and get you thinking and and really uh, you know getting you motivated for for being a firefighter, protecting the community, and doing this job for the right reasons. So, with that being said, anybody that still wants shirts, I have some. Go to thirdalarmcowboys.com. We uh, we have some other other designs we're getting ready to launch as, as far as a couple other ideas that I've had getting ready to launch, uh, just building the capital to be able to order those. So the, the quicker that I can get some of these, uh, more of these shirts sold, the quicker those new, uh, new items will be able to come out. So y'all go follow us, uh, share everything on Facebook, follow us, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, share all the content that you want to keep getting it out there and we'll see y'all in the next one. Big guy.